Welcome back, everybody, to the WILX Sports Splits Podcast. I'm John Gustin, and I've got a very special mini episode for you today. It is the audio edition of the State of the Spartans special that was aired on March 9th. Natalie Kerwin, she looks back at the Spartans' season so far, the ups, the downs, the challenges with COVID, and then the incredible streak at the very end, taking on all the top five teams. Kellen Buddy, he looks at how the Big Ten tournament is different this year and talks to Joshua Langford amidst all the newness that comes with playing sports in a pandemic. Fred Human, he talks with the one, the only, Tom Izzo, and then all of them come together with our Tim Stout for a Spartans roundtable, looking at about all the factors going into the tournament, how Michigan State could fare, and so much more. So without further ado, take it away, Tim. And welcome this afternoon to State of the Spartans. So now we're going to spend the next 30 minutes preparing you for Michigan State's run first off in the upcoming Big Ten tournament. You know, two weeks ago, it appeared as if the only way Michigan State would extend its NCAA tournament streak to 23 straight years would be if it would win the Big Ten conference tournament. But things change. Now, all the major bracketologists think Michigan State is firmly in the field of 68, no matter what happens this week. So here's the bracket. Michigan State is the ninth seed and takes on Maryland at 1130 Thursday morning. That's tip time, not pregame. The winner gets one seed Michigan Friday morning also at 1130. The Big Ten Tournament Championship game is also set for 330 as usual on Sunday afternoon. Now, COVID-19 affected, as we know, every college basketball team this season in some way. But few can say that it got hit harder than perhaps at Michigan State. So News 10's Natalie Kerwin now has a look at how the Spartans overcame a nearly three-week shutdown to put themselves in position to go dancing once again. Natalie? Going back to March 2020, college basketball teams were getting ready for the postseason. For Michigan State, the team was on a hot streak, but little did anyone know it would be the start of their toughest season yet. Everybody's development was set back, you know, without having that traditional offseason and, and all that comes with that. And Michigan State's a program where we've seen historically guys do get better with time. But the Spartans and every other Big Ten team didn't have that opportunity. The timeline of the season was adjusted drastically, starting with the offseason. They missed out on quite a few, you know, just hours and hours, weeks of, of reps together to sort of sort that out and, and let guys develop their game. But no one could truly be ready for what this season brought. 13 of 15 players got COVID-19 this season, and in January, the team didn't play for 20 days straight. We contemplated so many different scenarios coming in, knowing that there were going to be postponements, knowing that there were going to be positive tests, knowing that games were going to shift on a, on a dime, practice schedules were, were, were going to shift, that, um, that we had health and safety at the forefront, that we had academics at the, at the forefront. We, we knew all this. We had no idea what it was going to look like because we weren't going to know the problems that we were dealing with until we were actually dealing with them. COVID-19 became the elephant in the room. Plus, there was a physical toll, short turnarounds, brutal stretches, sometimes playing three games in one week. There was a challenge of unpredictability. You're testing on a daily basis, not knowing what the rest of the day becomes based on the results of those uh, of those tests at any given moment. But the team was willing to accept unorthodox scheduling, frequent pivoting, and daily testing in order to have a season. You'll remember it for that mental toughness and for figuring things out in the end, which we've seen Michigan State teams do, but I don't know if we've ever seen it this late. 
and be this dire when they did sort of turn that corner. And I think that'll be the story of this year's teams. Although it's a season the team likely will not want to remember, three wins over top five teams and playing 26 out of 27 games are worth noting. In East Lansing, Natalie Kerwin, News 10. Okay, Natalie, and the Spartans did get some help from the way the schedule shook out after their COVID shutdown. It allowed them to beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan in the span of 10 days. And there aren't many bubble teams with a resume like that. This was the scene almost one year ago today. Michigan and Rutgers about to tip off in the Big Ten tournament when the conference shut it down immediately because of the pandemic. Well, the Big Ten tournament is back on this year, all right? But it is going to look different than in past years. News 10's Kellen Buddy, he is live at this very moment at the Breslin Center with what the Spartans can expect come game time. Kellen? Yeah, Tim, the Spartans played on Sunday in front of the biggest crowd the Breslin Center has seen this season. But compared to the scope of the last calendar year, that crowd is going to seem minuscule when the Spartans hit the floor on Thursday. I'm going home. <laughs> I uh, can't wait for that. For Indianapolis native Aaron Henry, both the Big Ten and NCAA tournaments will be a chance for him to reconnect with those he loves. It will also be a chance for more fans to take in the action in person. Uh, to be honest, it's probably it'll probably be more weird than anything uh, because we haven't been used to seeing the fans. Thursday, the Spartans could be playing in front of up to 8,000 fans, a decision made by the Big Ten Conference just days ago. Fans will be asked to wear masks at all times and stay socially distant from each other. Seeing more fans in the building is something the Spartans are excited for. But to just have their support, you know, is one thing that I think that we kind of sometimes take for granted is the support, you know, of people, you know, in terms of fans. But with a heavier presence comes a need to be able to tune it out. Langford says it will still just be the Spartans, their opponent, and the hardwood. You know, sometimes that pressure of the opposing fans can kind of get you distracted. And so now that we've got so used to just playing, you know, when the fans come now, it's just going to be like, you know, we've been so used to playing. It's just going to be like another day for us. And all fans will have to go through a health screening before they go inside Lucas Oil Stadium for that tournament. That includes a questionnaire and a temperature check. Plus, all fans will be seated in four separate pods throughout the stadium so they're away from anybody else. Reporting live at the Breslin Center, I'm Kellen Buddy, News 10 Sports. All right, thanks, Kellen. On this beautiful day in mid-Michigan, Tom Izzo has taken Michigan State to 22 consecutive NCAA tournaments, and it would appear from the so-called bracketologists that the streak will continue when the pairings are announced Sunday night, 6 o'clock. News 10's Fred Human examines Izzo's thoughts and those of noted bracketologist Jerry Palm. Fred? I'm not going to worry about what happens to Michigan State. I, I think there's a bigger picture here, and that's, the Big Ten Conference has been, there's not even an argument that it's been the best conference in the country all year. Well, the best conference in the country should get nine, maybe even ten teams in this year. I'm not politicking for anything. We did just about everything we could do. And I think that because of our league, because of the other teams in our league, because of how good Michigan is, how good Ohio State is, how good Iowa is, how good Illinois might be as good as everybody. And to think we beat three out of the four top five teams. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if I had a vote, um, I'd vote us in. You know, how far you advance in the conference tournament doesn't really 
mean anything by itself. It's who did you play as you advanced and then who ultimately beat you. So, you know, those things will be important for Michigan State. Tom usually has his teams ready to go. and That's a good, strong finish to the season. And not too many teams are going to enter uh, the selection committee room with three top five wins on their resume. I'm going to go down to Indy, feeling good about our team, uh, knowing we had a lot of work to do. And we're good enough to win some games, and we're good enough to get beat in the first game. This team will not hang a banner. They will not ha hang a championship banner. Who knows what will happen in the Big Ten or NCAA tournament. But if there's never a banner hung or anything done, this team should be appreciated by our fans for what they went through and what they gave us. I'm proud of this team because they did what I asked them. And that's, you know, go out and make a memory for yourself. Because 15 years from now, when they talk about the pandemic, they can say, yeah, we fought through it and, and found a way to get into that tournament and that that's going to be worth a memory making moment. I promise you that. Welcome back to State of the Spartans. We have all four of us here together for the first time in a long time to analyze exactly where Michigan State might end up by the end of the week. Let's begin this afternoon with our Natalie Kerwin. She's been out and about covering all kinds of sports this winter, and she's covered the Spartans. Natalie, when you look at Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament moving forward, what might you expect to see beginning Thursday? Well, Michigan State, they are slated to play Maryland, who ended their regular season on a two-game losing streak, while Michigan State ends the season the best way possible for them, defeating rival Michigan. So I think going into the tournament on Thursday, they're going to be feeling hot. They're feeling good. A lot of the players felt it was a feel-good win for them. So I think going into Maryland, they're going to feel good about it and be confident. And then going into Michigan, if they do win that game, it might be tough for them just because it's going to try to be a, a comeback win for Michigan. All right, so there you go. So that's Natalie's take. <laughs> Let's go to our Kellen buddy. You've seen Kellen on all the late newscasts all season long covering Michigan State. Kellen, when you look at Michigan State in the tournament, what are you thinking? Well, Tim, the biggest concern the Spartans have had this year is not getting a good performance from everybody. Sometimes it's Aaron Henry, sometimes it's Josh Langford. But Sunday night against Michigan, it was Langford, it was Rocket Watts, it was Joey Hauser. Everybody contributed for the Spartans to be successful in the Big Ten tournament and in the postseason. They're going to have to have everybody, all five players on the floor and everybody on the bench pulling their own way. It's a basketball team, not a basketball player. They've all got to get that job done if they're going to have any success in the postseason. And all of us at Channel 10 are happy to have Uncle Fred back with us. He was on the disabled list for a little time, but he's back. And even when he was on the list, that didn't mean he stopped following the Spartans. He's covered Michigan State basketball. I don't know how many centuries, but a number of them. Welcome back, Fred. And what do you expect to see this week? Well, not quite centuries, maybe a couple hundred years, Tim. You know, I think Kellen kind of touched at it. I think what we saw from Michigan State in the final game, that's the second Michigan game, when they got such a key contribution from Joey Hauser and Rocket Watts, that made Michigan State a different team, and it will make them a lot better team going forward because, frankly, they haven't had a lot of that. Watts with equaling a career high and Hauser hitting shots and playing defense like he had in the recent past. So I think that's kind of the X factor for Michigan State. If they can keep Hauser and, and Watts going, that's something they haven't had in a lot of these key wins. You know what you're going to get out of Aaron Henry. You know what you're going to get out of Josh Langford. You don't always know what you're going to get out of Hauser and Watts. If they can get what they got in game two against Michigan, 
Michigan State's going to be a tough out. Okay, guys, now we got a short response coming up from each of you, and I'll ask each of you the same question. Natalie, if you have one concern about Michigan State having success moving forward, what might it be? I think it's rushing their shots. I mean, as you both mentioned, all of you guys mentioned, all five players need to be contributing. And if, you know, they're struggling to get the ball around, good ball movement, then it's going to be problematic for this team. They have to slow down, as Izzo always says, and trust themselves to make their shots. Kellen, if you had one concern, and maybe one stance out, about the Spartans having success beginning Thursday moving forward, what would it be? I think their biggest issue is playing consistent defense. One time they'll have good perimeter defense, their opponent, their, their opponent, excuse me, has a good attack on the interior below the rim. I think they need to play defensively consistently, both on the perimeter and inside. Get, don't give that opponent another option. You got to keep their options very limited so they don't know what to do with the ball. You're going to get a lot of shot clock violations. Those equal turnovers and a chance to get some offensive points. Okay, Fred, we got one final take from you. If you have a concern moving forward for Michigan State success, you're two cents worth. Well, that's what it's worth is two cents, Tim, but I'm not going to get as technical as my two colleagues here. I think it's, you know, I hate to t put it on the referees. I think it's how the games are called. I think Michigan State with their big men, their, their committee of big men has some fouls to give. That's true, but I think if the games are called tight, that doesn't favor Michigan State. They can't afford their key players to get in foul trouble. Hopefully these games will be called loosely. I think that that will allow Michigan State to play its game a little bit better. We shall see, but I think it's how the games are called. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a tournament that's going to have a lot of indecision because everybody's on a neutral court for the first time. Everybody's playing in front of fans for the first time. And if Michigan State can get past Maryland, and remember, Maryland looked pretty good and matched up well with them the first time. But if State gets past, very little rush to go back and play a motivated Michigan team coming up on Friday afternoon. But that's why we call it March Madness, <laughs> and we're excited about it. All of our staff will be busy all month long following the State of the Spartans and College basketball with the NCAA tournament to follow. And that was the special mini episode of the State of the Spartans special. I'll also actually have another episode coming up for you on Friday. If you are listening on Thursday as of when I'm recording this, that will be covering the Tigers, kind of looking at their preseason so far. And then Natalie Kerwin actually hops on to Kenny Galladay. He's not getting franchise tagged by the Lions. He's set to become a free agent. She gives me her thoughts and what the Lions need to do from here after losing another top receiver after only so many years removed from losing Calvin Johnson as well. So please subscribe. You can also download this anywhere you get your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, all those locations. Just search WILX Sports Blitz Podcast. If you hit subscribe, you can get our episodes as soon as they are released and be in the, the first to know, which is, hey, pretty awesome. And if you're looking for a way to follow us, just the latest developments on WILX, our Facebook page on Twitter, you can also follow me at jgustin113, that's J-G-U-S-T-I-N-113 on Twitter, or John Gustin News on Facebook. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.